Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. But we're going to have a great message this morning for you, and so I'm hoping that um, we'll all be able to kind of let our hearts open up today. There's so much going on right now in real time, and we'll talk about that a little bit today. But I want us to make sure that in this moment that we have together, that we're taking full advantage of the opportunity to let God do what only God can do in our lives, in our mindsets, in our hearts, as well as in our families and the people that we know, the people that we love, and even people that we don't know, but God still says they're our neighbor. So we started a series called Joy Anyway last week, and you can always go back on YouTube and watch our worship experiences from the prior week. But I want to give you the, the scripture that last week we laid out as being the main theme for our series going through the book of Philippians. And it comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Can you say this with me? Say, always be full of joy in the Lord. Good job. You can even type it. Sometimes you can type when you're talking. We're having fun with it. It's going to be good. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. I think uh, it's easy to talk about happiness when you're happy. It's easy to talk about living blessed when you're prospering. It's easy to talk about having faith when there's nothing that's testing your faith. It's easy to talk about unity when there aren't media-driven narratives that are driving us apart. It's easy to talk about joy when what faces us isn't trying to steal our joy. Last week, we introduced this series, Joy Anyway. You know, it's interesting. I don't know if y'all know this, but we, for our worship experiences during this time, like these are pre-recorded. Maybe you thought this was live and it's okay that you know that it's not live we have an amazing team of volunteers that works hard to make it look good make it sound good so that we can have a great worship experience every weekend right now but last week we we prepared and we we recorded uh, and it happened before all the events began to unfold in minneapolis over the murder of george floyd and the preceding events that would come afterwards and over this last week in cities all around our, our country. And even protests that have been happening around the world in light of this. And I believe that even though we weren't aware of what was happening when we were recording, it's so interesting how God speaks prophetically. He speaks through us to get a message out that's timely, even when we don't necessarily know that what we're saying is timely. And I believe that last week when I look back, I was watching church just like you guys were, in the chat room, interacting, and I was listening to our worship, and I was listening to the message that was coming forward, and it was crazy to see that even in what we didn't know, God already knew, and he was speaking to it. He was speaking to those moments. This week, we prepare and we speak in full view of all that has transpired and continues to transpire as a result of the fear, the hurt, the outrage, the brokenness within all these events. And as, as I'm praying and as I'm preparing, 
I'm asking God if it's okay as a pastor to be a little bit transparent with you this morning. I'm asking God, why in the world would you ask me to preach a series on joy in the middle of all this? How can I preach to my brothers and sisters of color or anyone else for that matter in these moments and, and, and tell people, you know what, you should have joy though. You should have joy in this. You're being killed in the streets, but have joy. You're afraid of different things happening in your life on a daily basis, but hey, have joy. Have joy about it. You're brokenhearted because you see people that you love living in a reality that is so different from yours, and you see people hurting and you see people broken, but have joy. In that same vain and same thought of transparency. You know, I'm just, I'm baffled sometimes by God's word and how God would have the audacity to ask us to do things that don't seem to fit within the reality around us. And how God would, would see fit to, to call us to live a certain way and at a certain level that that sometimes feels like it's completely unaware of the things that are happening around us. And so as I often do when I get in these moments, <laughs> I was talking to God. I'm just like, God, why? Why are, we, why are you asking us to talk about this right now? I think there could be a thousand other things that we could be preaching on right now, talking about right now, conversations that we should be having right now. Why do you do this? And this is what God spoke back to me. And I hope that you'll receive it as well. He said, because I'm the God of the impossible. He said, I, I save what is condemned. I heal what is dying. I resurrect what is dead. I speak and stars form. I command and oceans calm. I forgive what cannot be forgiven. I restore what is beyond repair. And I love what cannot be loved. See, God doesn't do things the way that we do things. God doesn't operate at the same level in which, as humans, we, we think and operate and, and respond and react. God doesn't see people the way that we normally see people. But he does call us up. He calls us up and into a heavenly realm where things operate differently than they operate here on earth. And clearly, he hasn't taken us up. He hasn't taken us away. Clearly, he still has us here on earth. When I said yes to Jesus, he didn't grab me and take me into heaven. He left me here on earth. Why? Because God's people have a mission. God's people have a command. God's people have a mandate. And it's not to just gather together in our own little groups and feel good about ourselves. It's to go out and to do but we see Jesus do. God doesn't operate like we do. That's why the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. He said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, 
So my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Today, I'm so grateful for that. I'm so grateful that God is not trying to figure things out the way we're trying to figure things out. I'm so glad that God is not thinking about all the stuff that's going on the same way that naturally you and I would be thinking about what's going on. But here's the cool thing about what God does. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And he's also provided a way that we can get to where those are and begin to think the way that God thinks and begin to love the way that God loves and begin to act in the way that God acts and begin to help and to serve in the way that God helps and serve. God wants us to live as citizens of heaven and bridge the gap between two worlds by letting the realities of heaven live through us here on earth. God wants the realities of heaven, the way things are in his presence, to be enacted and lived and breathed through the people who have experienced his love and his grace. Those who call on the name of the Lord. Those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. You and I have something alive inside of us that is different from everybody else. Does it make us better? But it puts us in a position of privilege where we can now live in the grace and the love of God. And what we have experienced from God, we now can take to those around us. When we allow the heart of God to live through us, when we allow the realities of heaven to become a reality here on earth, in the United States of America, in the cities where we live, in the neighborhoods where we live, where our children are growing up and other people's children are growing up. We too can speak the words of the prophet Isaiah as if it were our own. When Isaiah says in chapter 61, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me for the Lord has anointed me, that's you as well, to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, not self-righteousness, but in their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. But let me ask this question. If we haven't taken the time to get to know who the poor are, then how can we bring them good news? If we don't know and haven't built relationships with those who are spiritually captive and captive to society, then how can we be the ones that go to the brokenhearted and set them free? How can we help those who mourn 
find the day of the Lord's favor in their life. When we at times fail to recognize that people are mourning. Or we at times fail to have the empathy needed to meet people where they are. Not to be right, not to argue a point or a perspective, but simply to come before those who mourn with no words and simply wrap our arms around them and let them know that we love them. I'll say it again in verse 3, to all who mourn in Israel. Can we expand the geographical impact for a moment? For all who mourn in Minneapolis, for all who mourn in Chicago, in Atlanta, in New York City, for all who mourn in Los Angeles, for all who mourn here in Reno, Nevada, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes and joyous blessing instead of mourning. And their righteousness, they will be light, like great oaks. I love this. You ever seen an oak tree? Oak trees are sturdy. They're strong. They have a huge root system. Tree houses are built in oak trees. Things have, like it's, it's just, a, it, it paints this picture of strength and, and stability. It paints this picture of it's been there for a while. And that's the picture that I believe God is trying to paint for us to understand is that when we become in our communities where the poor are, where the oppressed are, where those who mourn live, where the broken are, and we become, instead of voices of argument, we become great oaks of righteousness in those communities, in those lives. God gives us the ability to bring strength for those who can't bring strength for themselves. And the Lord, it says, the Lord has planted us, you, for his glory. As terrible and as tragic as the events can get around us, the, the sense of joy that I get is knowing that God has given us the opportunity to become pillars of strength for those who are struggling. And I, I hope that as we continue in this message today that we can do this. But first I want us to pause. And then we're going to actually get into the book of Philippians. And, and I want us to pray for a moment. Because I, I understand that right now, maybe even listening to my voice, there are those that you would agree perspective wise with, with what I'm saying. There, there are those of you that may, that may disagree perspective wise with what I'm saying, if you're still listening. But I just want you to know that it's, it's okay. If we can find a center point to come together on, it's the love of Christ. And that's what I'm hoping for in our message today. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you that in this moment, we have an opportunity to allow you to do work inside of every single one of us. To anyone who hears this message, Father, I pray that your love and your grace would flood them. For those who are hurting and broken and mourning, for those that are scared, for those that are angry, Father, we pray, Lord, that you would be there. For those on the, who seem to be on the other side, who, who don't necessarily understand everything that's going on, who have questions, who have uh, opinions, who have things that may not line up, and it seems to be causing division, God, may the same be for them, Lord. May your grace show up. May your love show up. May you bring us to a place 
where we see you. And from that position, Father, we begin to see each other. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So this series that we're doing called Joy Anyway. It's going through the book of Philippians, and that's one of the, one of the more, most beautiful books in the New Testament, written through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul. And he was writing to, to the church that he helped start, the church that he planted, that he pioneered in, in a city called Philippi, which was a, a city in ancient Macedonia, if you're a history person. Sometimes it's good to know the history and where things were and where people were. This would have actually been the very first Christian church ever started in Europe. But uh, Macedonia at that time is in where it would now be modern day Greece. And so when we get into the book of Philippians, the overarching theme throughout this book is the theme of joy. And similar to our current reality, how can we talk about joy when our nation is in such turmoil? How can I have the audacity to tell anyone to follow Philippians 4.4, always be full of joy in the Lord, But Paul wrote about joy, and he did so from prison. Paul wrote about joy in the middle of circumstances that would have given any one of us plenty of permission to say, yeah, I could probably write about something else right now. Joy is not on top of my list of things that I want to communicate to somebody. But he did. Paul was unjustly in prison. He was rejected by his own people and by his own nation. He was neglected. Ultimately, he was executed simply for continuing to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to anybody who would hear his voice. That good news that you and I know, and maybe you don't if you're watching, I want you to know when you hear say gospel, gospel is just a word that means good news. And the good news is that Jesus loves you, that Jesus gave his life for you, So that you could live the life free from sin, free from brokenness, a life that is filled with purpose that God placed inside you before you were even born. Joy that is found in Christ is not subject to circumstance like happiness is. Happiness is determined by what happens to us. We can be happy one moment, things change, happiness goes. But joy is a product of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Joy is not circumstantial. It's not dictated by like happiness is. Joy sustains you where happiness can't keep you. We talked about that last week. And we also said, kind of as a recap thought, your source is found in your Savior. That's why joy can be so strong when everything else feels like it's falling apart. Because our joy is not mustered up by our own strength. Our joy is not determined by the things happening around us. Our joy is found in our Savior. And that's why it can be such a strong source. So Paul and the Philippian church, they kind of shared a very special relationship. Uh, one of the things that Paul addresses in the book is when, he, when the church in Philippi found out that he was in prison, they were some of the first ones to respond and they, they brought him gifts. They bought, brought him supplies. They, they brought him encouragement just to make sure that he was able to take care of himself while he was in prison. Paul was so grateful for that. And a lot of the inspiration behind this book came from his, his affection for that church and wanting to let them know how much he loved them. But as we dive into chapter one, uh, there are a couple of truths that we're going to pull out of this today 
that I believe are not just relevant for everyday life, but relevant even for the situations where we find ourselves as a nation right now. So I'm going to turn there, and, and hopefully you've you've got your Bible with you at home, or maybe you've got the YouVersion Bible app, or you're you're in the chat room, and there's a feature there where you can look up the Bible verses that we talk about. And I hope that you're taking notes. We're note-taking church. That way you can go back and look at what we've been talking about. It can inspire your, your Monday through your Saturday, and that's what we're hoping for. So I'm going to go... Right now, we're going to go straight to the book of Philippians chapter 1, and and I'm going to read a few verses for us to get into today. And starting right with verse 1, it says, this, this letter is from Paul and Timothy. Timothy was one of his disciples, slaves of Jesus Christ. Incredible verbiage. I'm writing to all of God's holy people in Philippi who belong to Christ Jesus, including the church leaders and deacons. May God, our Father, and Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Verse 6, this is a good highlight spot if you, if you are marking your Bible. I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returned. <clears throat> so it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me the special favor of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. God knows how much I love you and long for you with the tender compassion of Christ. Verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow. Somebody say overflow. Chat, type it in the chat rooms. Overflow more and more. And that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters. Can you think about that just for one second? I got one more verse to read, but I want to capture this. You're sitting in prison. For all you know, you could be executed at any moment, at any day. And you're writing a letter to somebody that you love and you say these words, I want you to know what really matters. I can guarantee you that when the church in Philippi was reading this, when they heard that, they began to lean in extra. They, be, they wanted to know what Paul was about to say. Because for all he knew, these could be his last words. He says, I want you to know what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Here's the last verse we're going to read today. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation and righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So a couple of thoughts that I want us to take away from this passage today, from this, uh, these first 11 verses that we read in chapter 1 of Philippians. Here's the first one. God will always finish what he started. God will always finish what he started, specifically in you. It says that in verse 6, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, it wasn't your good work that you started, it wasn't your good works that you, that you uh, did by trying to be a good person that God guides God's attention. It's God who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. One thing is that that paints a picture that the work that God is doing in us, the things that God is building in you and in me, 
the things that God is trying to do in our life through our churches and our communities and our nation. It's not a finished work. You didn't say yes to Jesus and then boom, everything was set and you just live life. It's a daily journey of giving your mind, giving your heart and giving yourself to the Lord so that things can be transformed and you begin to live in the purpose in which God created you. God will finish what he started. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 2 says it this way, that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that started it. He's the one that's going to empower us. He's the one that's going to finish the work that he started in us. I want to read uh, that Hebrews 12, 2 from the Passion Translation, so beautifully worded. Listen to this. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 in the Passion Translation, I want to read that to you because it's worded so beautifully. It says, we look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze onto Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. I love the picture of this journey. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and conquered its humiliation and now sits exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. I love that because he saw the joy that would come from the relationship we would have with him. He chose to endure the cross. He chose to endure what was painful, knowing that as he leaned into that moment, that it would create a finished product to bring us into relationship with him. God will finish what he started. I think that's so encouraging right now because I know if we look on social media, it can, it can look like there's all bad happening. But if you dig a little bit deeper, this is what I see. I see conversations beginning to happen. I see, I see eyes beginning to open. I see ears that weren't listening before beginning to listen. I see people that, that didn't understand what was happening before to their brothers and sisters of color and in bad neighborhoods and in different areas that are starting to begin to understand. I'm seeing police officers that are laying down their shields and their clubs and they're holding hands with those that march. I'm seeing sheriffs in different cities and in different towns who are encouraging the protesters and walking with them and, and showing empathy and showing love. I'm seeing voices begin to lift up that haven't been encouraged to be lifted up before. And I'm seeing those who thought they had no voice who are starting to believe that maybe, just maybe, I'm being heard now. And man, there's so much, so much distance left to go. But I want to tell you that I believe this is something that God is beginning to start in all of us. It's something that God is starting in our church for sure. It's something that I'm seeing in other churches as well as maybe before they were silent in these moments, now they're beginning to speak. And as much negative as there may be, and as much negative narrative that other people are trying to manipulate in the media so that they'll get our attention, so they can keep us in a place of fear, so they can keep us in a place of, of hate and division, are trying to spin a narrative that takes our eyes off. But I love, all, all around there's videos coming out, not of the riots, but of the marches happening where people of every race and every color, every creed are coming together holding hands, unified around a passion, unified around a thought, and I'm believing 
that God has shaken something throughout this crazy season, pandemic, and then into the George Floyd situation and into what we're seeing now with protests and yes, the negativity coming from the riots. But God's beginning to do something. And I'm telling you, listen, don't be discouraged because what God has started, he will finish. And here's the second point. This is what we'll wrap up on today. The first one was God will finish what he started. Here's uh, in, coming from verses 9 through 11. Love is what really matters. Love. Come on. Love is what really matters. Type it out in the chat room. Say it out loud to yourself right now. Love is what really matters. Not being right is what really matters. Being justified is what really matters. Defending ourselves when we feel like people are attacking us is what really matters. No, none of that. Paul wanted the Philippian church to know as he wrote from a prison cell where his life could have been taken at any moment. He wanted them to know that this is the thing, come on, that really matters. We are challenged to overflow with love. The word love that Paul is even using here in the original Greek text that this letter was written in reads agape. Agape is a word that means unconditional love. Think about that. Unconditional love. Love without condition. Love without an agenda. Love without expecting anything in return. This is God's love. This is the pure love of God. Unconditional love. Those who exist, and I want you to listen to this. Just listen. Listen with your, with your hearts open to this. I spent too many years of my life <clears throat> hearing people tell me what I'm about to tell you. And instead of me listening and, and thinking about it and praying about it and being willing to talk about it, I, 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 was, I find myself getting defensive and, and I felt like a blow was coming at me. So I was trying to see where the blow was coming from so I could duck it and throw one back. So instead of in the years where I was defensive hearing this, I pray that you would learn from the things that I had to learn as well and continue to learn. Those who exist in the realm of advantage or privilege must reach out to those who live within a disadvantaged system and reality, and we must love unconditionally. We must love unconditionally. We cannot, listen, we cannot demand from those who are, who are hurting, broken, and oppressed to come to us 50-50. That's, that's not a realistic expectation. Those who are in a place where we do have advantage should go all the way in to those who are without the advantage. I'm so grateful that that's what God did for me. I'm so grateful that that's what God did for you. Aren't you? That God didn't go halfway to the cross and then tell us to meet him the other half. Jesus didn't say, I'll take one nail as long as you take the other nail. He didn't say, all right, I'll take half the beating on my back as long as you take the other half because that's what he could have done. Jesus took all of those things when we're actually the ones that deserve to receive them. He says, no, unconditional love. I'm going in all the way. And actually, I know what is ahead of me. And I know the humiliation, the pain, and the anguish that lies ahead of me on this journey to the cross. 
but my joy for what's going to happen as a result of this humiliation far outweighs it. I'm going all the way in. We have to go in 100% as well. Being right isn't what matters. Love is what really matters. Paul wrote from prison asking the Philippians to overflow with unconditional love and pleaded with them to understand that in the end, love is the only thing that really matters. Hurting people need to be unconditionally loved. Even when love is not reciprocated, it's okay. Even when someone hurts so much that when you reach out to love them, they strike back. It's because they're hurting. It's okay. Be patient with the process. Have empathy for where others may be. Lay down pride. Lay down feelings. And pick up the cross. Continue to follow Jesus. Continue to love those are around you. In the end, love is all that matters. So let's not wait until the end to figure this out. Hear me. Let's not wait for more information so that we can love. Let's not wait for the whole story to come out so that we can love. Let's dive in recklessly, head first into the unknown, into situations where we don't know if we'll be accepted or not. Into moments where we don't know if we'd be endangered or not. But we know that Christ has compelled us to go and to do and to be him in our world. And it is fully possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. God's not expecting any of us to do this on our own strength. God's not expecting any of us to take on a burden that we are incapable of handling. That's why he is with us. That's why he goes before us. And that's why I'm so confident that with what I see going on right now, I can have joy watching what's in front of us. I can have joy in the potential of seeing racial reconciliation happen at a level that it has never happened before. We have an opportunity to be a part of that. We have an opportunity to bring healing. And please, don't allow the lie to come in and for us to think that just because there's debate. See, division and debate are very different things. It's okay to debate. I get it. It's okay. But at the end of the day, Paul would say, guys, guys, stop, pause. Listen, love is the only thing that matters here. So let's go all in. Let's, let's put all the chips on the table. Let's double down on this bet. Let's take the gamble of love. Jesus did, and I'm so glad he did. It paid off. I want to pray for you. We're going to close things right now. And <clears throat> I know today, maybe in this message, it didn't have as many laughs. It didn't have as many jokes. I, you know, that's great. But I'm just hoping today that we can be a part of advancing something that has, it's really the only thing that has the power to bring change in our world. Just just hearing each other out, back and forth, back and forth, that won't ultimately be the solution. The solution is going to be when the church, not the white church, not the black church, not the Hispanic church, not the Asian church, but when the church, 
all of us together can exactly be what Jesus demonstrated that we should be and can go out and do exactly what we witnessed Jesus doing. Special things can happen, church. Come on, I want you to believe this with me. Special things can happen. And we can either wait for another generation to rise up and do it, or we can realize that now is our time. Now is our time. This is our generation. This is our opportunity to do things that maybe a previous generation was not fully able to do. And to pass something on to the next generation that nobody else will have that opportunity to do. Now is our time. God has called us not to the ministry of being right, not to the ministry of choosing sides, but it says in 2 Corinthians 5.19, says, For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he forgave us, or he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Let me pray for you. Father, we pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we are so grateful that you started a work in us. And Father, we're grateful that as, as long as we stay the course and we keep ourselves committed and our eyes focused on you, you will finish in us what you started. Father, we, we eagerly await the return of, of you, Lord. We eagerly await your return so that, so that all the things that are broken in this world can be made right. But until then, God, we, we have a life to live. We have a call to fulfill. We have a commission to follow. And I pray that within the church, help us to lead the way. Politicians are not going to lead the way. We have to lead the way. Fill us with your love and your grace like never before. May we go out from this moment forward dedicated to being a difference in the lives of those around us. And just as the prophet Isaiah spoke, may we be the ones who come and proclaim the good news. May we be the ones that find those who mourn and help them find joy. May we be the ones who respond to those who are hurting and broken and downtrodden. And may we be the ones that grab them by the hand and love them and lift them up and bring healing. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And right now, just take a moment, Father, we pray for our nation. Come on, will you pray with me from right where you are at home? Just bow your head and pray with me. Take the hand of your spouse, your kids, whoever you're with, and if you're by yourself, just bow your heads with me. Father, we lift up our nation right now. Father, we come against the, the plans and the plots of the devil. The devil is our enemy. Racism is from the devil. Hatred is from the devil. And anyone, Father, that is propagating these things, God, I pray that you would make them aware so that they can come and humble themselves before you. God, I pray for those who are broken and not being heard. Father, I pray for those who feel like they are arrested and tried and convicted and executed on this, right on the scene before they ever get a chance. Father, I pray for people who look like me, that we would humble ourselves and that we would be engaged in conversation, not to educate others, but that we would shut our mouths and open our ears and begin to listen to those who experience something on a daily basis that we would never encounter to that degree in our entire life. I pray that the church would lay down our agendas. Pray that the church would lay down the things that we have even put into place that doesn't give everybody an equal opportunity to come to the table and hear the good news of Jesus. 
Pray that you would send us into the streets. I pray that you would send us into the cities. I pray that we wouldn't just be comfortable to camp out in the suburbs, but God, that you would challenge us and stretch us and send us to places where we're uncomfortable so that we can love those, God, whom you've created, male and female, who you've created in your image, black, brown, yellow, white, from every nation, every corner of the earth. God, this isn't just an American problem. God, sin is a problem around our world. And we ask that you would help us to bring a new reality into our worlds, into our families. Help us to teach our children to go even further than we have started. God, we believe it's possible because your word tells us that in you all things are possible. And we stand on that today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Listen, if you're watching today, Hopefully you've been watching all the way through to the end. Hope you, hopefully this has been something that has speaking to you, inspired you, or challenged you, or, or at the very least made you think. But right now, every single week at Combo Church, we want you to know, just like Paul wanted them to know that love is what really matters, I want you to know that the love of God is what really matters in your life. Thanks again for listening to the Combo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.